General Nerdery. Hey, cats! Welcome to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. Like, what are we talking about today? Ah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. And are we talking about Mandalorian too? We talked about that before, but uh, we'll decide when we get through Crisis. Might be a timing thing. We'll get to it, but we don't. We want to make sure both of these get proper credit. I'm. Super excited to continue talking about the crossover. Now that I've finally seen it, so am And I. now that it's all out. Yeah. Uh, but before that, I'm your General Zach. I'm General Tyler. I'm Generally Tyler. Generally Tyler. General, General Rees sounds weird too, so I don't know. Yep, we're your people. You've and, met us at this point. And I think I brought some news. Oh, hit us with them news. Uh, well, first off, we just watched a couple trailers. Yes. So they dropped the Bloodshot International trailer, which I've noticed a lot of places are just like Bloodshot 2. I'm like, that works, whatever. It, it, it's I don't care Bloodshot how... trailer. I don't mm-hmm. really care if it's made for Hong Kong or for here. Exactly. Uh, your thoughts? Um, eh. It didn't look bad. It looked more like a Vin Diesel movie than it did a hero movie. Yep, I'll agree with that. Um, I think... I really liked the Valiant universe, um, and I also don't think this one's going to be connected to like a broader Valiant. I think there was a rights oh. thing that happened, but I think Bloodshot is probably the second weakest Valiant property. Because I was I was watching it, and I'm like, if you're going to go action like this, you might as well work in like Exo Man War or something. Exo Man War is great. He's a Gaul that gets the Iron Man armor. Like, how is that not amazing? Uh, Archer and Armstrong, a buddy comedy between a religious assassin and an immortal drunk. Um, I, I really love the Valiant Universe, but Bloodshot is just soldier who doesn't die and has no memory. Like, we've seen that so much. I enjoy what they're doing on a meta level, but the movie itself looks meh. But having Guy Pierce be the one to be like, what do you remember? And reprogramming's memories after Memento. Yeah, and I really enjoy... Uh, I think Vin Diesel is a great choice for Bloodshot. So, like, I'm, I'm not really shitting on this movie. It's just not so much one that's super grabbing me. No, there's nothing... Bloodshot is better than Harbinger. I'll give it that. Harbinger is X-Men if none of the characters were likable. <laughs> Except for Faith. I liked Faith. But... Not important. And that's that. this actually might sum up what I think of the Bloodshot trailer. We watched it, we sat down to talk about it, and I have talked about literally every other Valiant character but Bloodshot. You haven't mentioned Shadow Man. Shadow Man, created by Steve Ditko. Because as I pointed out otherwise, he was involved with everything. I don't think I knew that about Shadow Man. I think I like he might have been Man. just the artist. Mm, okay. Um, and the Shadow Man from the early Valiant... Shadow Man has changed more than any other Valiant character across. Well, and there was the weird... There was, there was the acclaimed Shadow Man. Yeah, like Garth Ennis being like dark and 90s edgy with him and like much yeah. more devil than voodoo. And There was well, a video game, wasn't there? I was about to say, the video game got me into Shadow Man. You know, that's that video game got me into Turok Dinosaur Hunter, who what? I'm still sad is no longer part of Valiant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because those were the gold key characters. So him and Magnus Robot Fighter, who most people choose to forget was in Valiant, and uh, <laughs> Dr... Not Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Uh, Atomic... Dr. Solar uh, were all pre-existing comic characters that Valiant worked in that belonged oh. to, I think, Dark Horse or Dynamite have them now. Uh, but 
Valiant has been very carefully just creating characters that are totally not those characters to work in. There's like Savage or something like that who's just Turok. Turok. Yeah, uh, which is fine. I, I think the Valiant company is really underrated right now. They've been making... They're smart about it. They're not trying to take on Marvel or DC, but they tend to make very good comics. And in, if sales are flagging, they'll end the book and just launch another one instead of like, we'll have like 52 books, which DC paid for, for half of those books being unreadable. I, I'm, I'm glad that this is probably going to get more eyes on Valiant. Yes. And that will up the chances of us getting an Archer and Armstrong. Yeah, because like they tried that uh, the the Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, which I haven't watched and I really want to in a this looks terrible kind of way. Like they hired the Green Power Ranger to be uh, Bloodshot. Right. I the only reason <laughs> I haven't watched it yet is because Ninjak I can almost only think of as being Deadshot from the Arrow. Yeah, I forgot that was him. Ninjak is not a. Not the strongest character either. He's kind of fun, but he's a British Bond-style agent named Ninjak that dresses like a ninja. Like, it's a little awkward. Honestly, I think their strongest concept concept is either Archer Armstrong or the Eternal Warrior. Mm. Who is, I mean, again, just a mortal and a warrior. Like, he's very straightforward in what he is, but he's a fun character. He kind of taps into Highlander a little bit. I love me some Highlander. I love me some. Uh, after Bloodshot, we watched a couple of the Stargirl trailers. Which we did not know there were two Stargirl trailers, so that was nice to see. I kind of knew. I, you kind of knew. <laughs> so you have, you were saying you have no experience with the character. Yep. Uh, or very, very, very passing familiarity with, say, Starman. Do you have any familiarity with the Justice Society? Very tiny, very little. Okay. Uh, Justice Society, we mentioned in our DC episode, was the first version of the Justice League. Uh, in the 90s, they came back as, like, these were the team that fought in World War II. They're the elder statesman heroes. They're coming forward and training a new generation of, like, their descendants. Star-Spangled Kid was one of those because Jeff Johns had created her for Stars and Stripe, uh, which was just these characters from the Stargirl trailer. Mm -hmm. And brought her in, I think, after her series got canceled. And I've always really liked Courtney Whitmore. Uh, she's a brat, but that's okay. Characters can be a brat and still be likable. And I thought that the JSA run of the 90s slash early 2000s is one of the stronger things DC's ever done. Not like, there's never been a storyline I'm like, this is the unforgettable one. But it was just consistently good for like... 70 issues and that's really hard to pull off uh so you also would have probably recognized more of the characters in the trailer than me not how how is it looking to you it could go really bad but i have a really good feeling about this one again it uses a lot of the characters it's with the jsa even the costumes are very accurate i saw dr midnight i saw dr fate I saw uh, Our Man, a bunch of characters that don't get the love that I feel like they deserve. They, they didn't have the staying power that Superman, Batman, mm -hmm. Wonder Woman did. They had fucking Joel McHale, who I know like only from Community, um, playing a superhero. Which is funny, because in a Community episode, he just makes fun of superhero movies. Oh yeah. I 
that's maybe my favorite part so far. So I'm like, I can't wait to see Joel McHale. Uh, and then Luke Wilson, Wilson, who is... It's interesting to see him making TV. I kind of like that TV has become a lot more acceptable a medium for movie actors. Mm-hmm. Because we're getting good actors or actors who are solid, but maybe not full star power. Getting... A place where they can shine a little more. And I think he's going to shine. Yeah. He looked great in that trailer. He, and he looked the part of a very difficult character to play. Because Star Spangled Kid, like, he was the, um, he's the sidekick of the original Star Spangled Kid, who they're just calling Starman in this one, because mm-hmm. they hired Joel McHale. He's way too old to be. Uh, and it was a very rare thing, because the kid was the hero and the adult was the sidekick. That was kind of their shtick back in the day. And he was just called Stripesy. Okay. Uh, and he punched people. Like, that That was it. He wore a striped shirt. He was named Stripesy. And he hung out with a kid and punched people. Like, that's going to be a hard one to do. And then in for uh, Stars and Stripe, he ends up building a robot, which we see little bits of. And he's got... It's called the Stripe Armor. It's just bigger Iron Man. Okay. Because his stepdaughter insists on being a superhero, so he's like, well, I can't stop you, so guess I'm gonna become Iron Man and <laughs> punch some people. Uh, I think this series has a lot of potential for things that CW does well. I still always want to call him WB. Show my too. age. Ooh, I do too. Uh, because whether it drives me up a wall or not, they are pretty good at the drama aspects and you can have a little bit of that and have it work a little better with a younger character mm-hmm. than it sometimes did with Arrow, for example. Uh, and they have a chance to be a little more fun and bright and youth-oriented as opposed to all of our characters are adults. I really like Supergirl, but I kind of wanted her not to be like post-college, but oh, okay. maybe yeah. early college. Like I-, I think of Supergirl more as a teenager, and in the show, she's establishing her career as a young adult i would guess yeah she is post-college mm-hmm. i get why they did it i like teen superheroes so i am excited to see a movie or not a movie a show that's really dedicating itself to a teen superhero and being comfortable doing it and slight spoiler but we now know they're also earth too are they i didn't know that because of the end of crisis oh okay uh I get why they didn't want to add it in. Is Jay Garrick Earth 2 still alive? I'm, as I said, I'm behind on Flash, so I'm not sure where... Well, this is... you. We'll, we'll get into it, because I think it's going to... We're, we're going to have to talk about what just happened on Crisis to really okay. get into yeah. it. Because uh, I think there's questions really way up in the air now. Yeah. Anyways. On some of that. Stargirl. Trailer looks fun. It's still early to say, but there's some good acting power in there. Uh, it sounds like they are going to be possibly trying to make a Warhammer 40k anthology series. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, they are currently already doing an animated series on the Death Angels, as well as live-action Eisenhorn. Are Death Angels the angry space vampires? No, that's the Blood Angels. Yeah, that's Blood Angels. Uh... They're just the Underworld movie given Space Marine form. You know, I don't have a whole lot of faith in this. It could be really cool, but I'm not going to get excited until I see something to... Oh, uh, Death Angels are an offshoot of the Blood Angels. Oh, okay. So So they're... 
alternative angry space vampires. Mm-hmm. Warhammer, or not Warhammer, Games Workshop is very willing to give just about anybody their IP because they know people will buy it and they just kind of saturate. Like, Mario has been pretty defensive of their IPs. They'll only do it for things that they have a lot of trust in. Games Workshop's like, sure, bro. Give it a shot. We'll be really happy if it works. And if it doesn't, we have a loyal enough fan base that it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Which means they've made some really good stuff and they've made some really bad stuff. So until I see more, I don't care. I'll be more excited if they even give us an idea what the anthologies might revolve around. Uh, as it stands, I'm way more excited for the Eisenhorn show since I loved the books. So. I I think the anthology is probably the best idea to me because the Space Marines get a little too caught up in being the Space Catholic Church Knights. Right. Uh, <laughs> Eisenhorn, you got Inquisitors. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, there's some really great Warhammer 40k comics, definitely. Uh, I have a friend that's obsessed with the books. My favorite Warhammer 40k comic, I can't think what it's called. It's mostly about the orcs, and the artist is actually a local Missoula guy. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, Disney just ditched the Fox name in a move that surprises no one, but everyone's talking about anyway. Yeah, I saw that. They're going to now be, like... So 20th Century Fox has become 20th Century Pictures, and Fox Searchlight has become Searchlight. Oh, okay. That's I, I knew Searchlight. I kept wanting to say Lighthouse. Uh, I'm not surprised... I was oddly kind of sad when I heard it, which is strange. I have no real loyalty to Fox other than when I load up the Star Wars movies, if it doesn't have that, like, trumpet fare first, I feel a little cheated. This surprises me not at all, considering there's still Fox. Yeah, if they had bought all of Fox, they probably would have kept it and just, you're a subsidiary of Disney now, but... As long as Fox News and Fox Sports still exist... Of course, they're going to drop. Yeah, it was always going to happen. Oscar Isaac is going to be playing a superhero mayor in The Great Machine. Yeah, that's an adaptation of a comic called Ex Machina from... I can do this. Brian K. Vaughn and... God, he was the artist on Starman. He's kind of a dick, but he has great art. Give me, I don't know. Tony Harris. God Damn it! Um... <laughs> the adaptation of a comic called Ex Machina, not related to Ex Machina, starring Oscar Isaac. Really? Right. Is, I, there's an Ex there's Machina. A, there's a movie called Ex Machina in which he's one of the stars. Jesus. That is not related to well, that the explains, Great Machine. That explains why they call it the Great Machine. I was wondering about that. Um, the Great or Ex Machina was created by, as I said, Brian K. Vaughn, who is a great great comic book writer he's probably the best one in the business right now he created runaways he created saga which is the best comic of the last 10 years when he was very frustrated during the bush administration with politics so Mm. he created someone that was not a republican or a democrat he was kind of somewhere in between uh in what he kind of thought politics should be and it was interesting because there was places where i really liked it and agreed with it and there was places where i really disagreed with it so it kind of did what it was aiming to do um i'm not going to jump into the politics of it that's not really how we roll it is not his strongest property that he's made 
I thought Runaways was much stronger. I thought Saga, uh, Pride of Baghdad is like the most beautifully tragic thing I've ever fucking read. It's about lions that escaped from the zoo in Baghdad during oh. the invasion of Iraq. Oh. It is not a happy comic book, but it's real good. <laughs> Oscar Isaac looks like the great machine. I can't think of his name. Um, oh, something hundred. Yeah, that's it. Mitchell hundred. Mitchell hundred. It's a it's an interesting comic. It kind of went off the rails, but that's okay. Brian Kavan has never been scared of taking risks in his work, so they have a really rich source of material to work to. It might be too political to work as a comic book adaptation in 2020. Like either it will be real good because of that, or it'll be real bad because of that. And I'm not sure which one because it's not really a superhero. Right, thing. it's more of a politic. Yeah, it's a former superhero who became mayor after he stopped one of the Twin Tower attacks. Oh, okay. Like, the first plane hits, and he goes out, because he can control machines as his power, and he manages to divert the second oh, shit. tower. So it's a very different world. Okay. Um, it's super worth a read. I'm, I'm being kind of hard on it, because it's the worst of Vaughn, but that's, or one of the worst, but that's still better than 90% of the comics on the shelves. Hell yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to check it out because I'm kind of interested just by Oscar Isaac being... Surprising no one, I have it all. <laughs> uh, so, it sounds like Watchmen is probably done? I thought that it just was done. Like, they said they're not picking up a second season... There's been a couple reports since then that indicate that maybe it would still go forward, but it sounds pretty dead in the water. Uh, it sounds like HBO really doesn't want to do it without Lindelof. Lindelof's like, I will give my okay for somebody else to do it but if I don't they really have the idea, myself. but I don't have an idea. Mm. He's like, I'm not going to do it without an idea, and I don't have an idea. Well, of course some exec in HBO, you said? Mm -hmm. In HBO is just like... But the money pit's not done yet. Mm -hmm. We need more. Uh, and from what I understand, Regina King wants to do more. It looked like that would be a really fun role to play. Uh, and I think some of the writers also want to do more, but they've expressed statements being like, We'll do it with Lindelof. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're behind your idea. Like, I get it. I actually really respect them ending after one season for creative decisions in the same way that I'm crediting The Good Place for ending, while it's still crazy popular, but ending where they wanted to end it. Mm -hmm. Too many shows go on too long. Uh, How I Met Your Mother became a train wreck towards the end just because they had stretched the concept past the breaking point, kind of. Scrubs' final season I never watch because, like, half the cast left. Like, there is right. a... There is a life point for TV shows where if you don't successfully reinvent yourself pretty severely, you're done. And I appreciate a show that realizes that it could make so much money, but instead just decides to be done to not... Sully what they've done. Yeah. Not everything has to be ongoing. A miniseries is okay. Wow, it's so beautiful, too. I can't wait for you to watch it. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching more superhero TV again. We'll get to it. I... Crisis has kind of lit a fire under my butt a little bit on that one. It's more than anything else, just a time oh, yeah. constraint. Absolutely understand that. Uh, we got our first look, small look, at The Watch. Yeah, this is an adaptation of... 
No, this is not an adaptation. This was influenced by. They very <laughs> were specific about this. Terry Pratchett's Discworld, and most specifically the Nightwatch. You have not read any of those books. You don't know. I've read some Discworld, but I haven't read those. No, okay. I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I am trying to not be the super judgy fan, but these are currently my favorite books. I've been falling asleep listening to them mm. lately because I've discovered if I put in an audiobook, I'll fall asleep way faster, and I've already listened to these several times. So <laughs> the fact that I fall asleep five minutes in doesn't matter. Right. Um, I am very protective of these characters, and parts of this look amazing, and parts of this I am having to like just remind myself that they don't have to do faithful adaptions. Uh, the main character, Vimes, looks perfect. The background, other than a slight change in the technological level, because uh, they look to have electricity in this and they don't in right. the books, looks awesome. It looks like a great show. But some of the changes they've made are really severe. And I'm going to talk about one. And I'm going to step very carefully with it. There's a character in the books called Cheery Littlebottom, who is a dwarf, who is a woman. And in the world of Discworld, there are no female dwarfs. All dwarves, regardless of gender, are dwarfs. Okay. And Cheery talks about how you can do everything the men do as long as you only do what the men do. So Cheery expresses her rebellion... By being a woman, by wearing a dress, by trying on makeup, she's still a dwarf. She still carries around a battle axe and <laughs> has her beard. And when they're like, do you want to shave that off? She just looks horrified. But she is a woman and she is never treated less in the narrative by embracing her femininity. Femininity. Uh, some of the characters do, but they're treated like the assholes that they are. Uh, and I really, really love Cheery for getting to be feminine, but still getting to be capable. Right. And having that be such a big part of her personality. It's kind of like with what we were talking about last week with Bill, where being a lesbian was a very important part of Bill's personality, but it wasn't all of Bill's personality, and she wasn't... It was just happened to be... Yeah, and she wasn't tokenized because of it, too. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a balance. In the show... Cheery is a non-binary character, or possibly, I'm forgetting the term, but where you flip between the two. Some days you uh, feel like fluid. a boy. Gender fluid, that's the word, I think. And I am really excited to see representation of that. I think that's amazing. Uh, and, and we need more, because I can't think of many non-binary characters in TV shows, or gender fluid, either mm -hmm. one. I don't remember which one it is. I wish they hadn't done it to the character who was who being a woman was so important to who she was. There is another character in the show or in the books who it sounds like they're not even using, which is a tragedy because Nobby Nobs is hilarious. Who in the later part of the series starts wearing dresses a lot. He has to go undercover as a woman for part of a book, and after that becomes very very comfortable with he talks about his feminine nature a lot more and mm -hmm. wears dresses and stuff and was never really depicted as non-binary or gender fluid but it would have been so easy to Include translate that. that and still use that and use it for a little less of a laugh but still have your other representation of a unapologetically woman right it kind of feels like picking like being like they felt like they had to pick one or the other like you can't have too much representation in one show mm-hmm which is really disappointing. At the same time, there is 
by the looks of it, more female characters than male characters in this. There is several characters of color. Um, it looks gorgeous. It's way too early for me to be judgy. But since they've changed it so much, it's hard for me to be optimistic at the same... Or, like, I have very conflicting feelings. Mm -hmm. I almost wish that they just hadn't called it The Watch. If they'd been like, we're putting this police procedural dystopian fantasy world story in a place where all crimes are legal, oh man, I would have been sold. But now I'm judging it against something that it's only sort of trying to be. Right. So, I mean, and but at the same time, it brings in a fan base automatically of, I'm going to watch this show. Of course. Um, I love um, the Discworld. I might watch it. Uh, I'll have to see more on it. Yeah. I mean, again, it's also first images. So I am... Inferring a whole lot from a single picture and a single sentence. Right. Uh, and the main reason I wanted to talk about this one was just that having to choose representation thing bothers me. Like, you, you could have done both really easily. Yeah, I, I don't know enough. And, but from yeah. what you just said, it sounds like it would have been pretty simple to be like, we can have this also as part of the story. And it'll feel more natural because it's kind of already there in a way. Yeah. And also, I just really love Cheery because she's a dwarf alchemist who works as like the CSI department for a fantasy cop group mm -hmm. who is learning how to be a woman. How is that not a character that you have so much power to play with? I'm just excited to see more Pratchett adaptations. Uh, yeah. At the same time, as I said, I'm being real harsh on stuff and it looks gorgeous it looks fascinating uh <laughs> this one i don't know if there's too much to really to say about it uh the giant rumor that's been floating i can't believe how many headlines i've seen about this stupid rumor is uh apparently taika waititi's being offered a star wars possibly or is in the talks for one uh one the thing fucking duh that's the thing i'm like I don't know why it's getting so many headlines when whether or not it was true, that was going to be the rumor anyway. Because he's worked with Disney before, had a very well-received movie with Disney before, and just got nominated for six Oscars. Six Oscars? Jojo Rabbit got nodded for six, I think. Holy shit. I'm swearing a lot today. <laughs> um, that's awesome. It's because, let's be honest, Thor Ragnarok is probably the best-reviewed movie Disney's had. Or not Disney Marvel's had. I just, I don't understand how big of a deal people are making of it when whether or not it was true, that was going to be the rumor Because regardless. people are thirsty for what's <laughs> happening next on Star Wars. That's true. They are thirsty for it. And you know how I know that? Because I am thirsty to know what's happening next on Star Wars. Uh, and as I said, I loved Thor Ragnarok. Jojo Rabbit's getting just rave reviews. What We Do in the Shadows isn't as well known, but is again getting so very good reviews. Good. It is real high on my watch list. I've bought it multiple times. I, I own it digital and hard copy. Have you seen the TV yes, show that they're doing? Or, okay, I, I also didn't know bought that's... that first season. Nice. Um, I forgot there was a movie. I just keep thinking of the TV show. He's... The TV show is somehow just as good as the movie. He's probably the best-reviewed parts of The Mandalorian outside of Baby Yoda. Uh, yeah. So I am not surprised at all. And he seems to have a, a good working relationship with Disney, which is hard to do sometimes. Like we were talking last week about how Scott Derrickson yep. no left, more and we're Strange. assuming that it's because Disney's difficult to work with. 
so when they find people that that does go well with, they really like to milk that for as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And if we keep getting stuff like IG eleven and Thor Ragnarok, sweet. Yeah. He's got a good sense of like the timing and humor that works well for both Marvel and Star Wars. We are apparently getting a Aquaman animated miniseries for HBO Max. And a Green Lantern one too. I believe or something so. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about it. Cool. Disney is. Did you watch Aquaman yet? No, I have not. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what I hear, and that's all I wanted it to be. Like, let's be a goofy, fun underwater king thing. It is so comic book too. Like, oh my god, Ocean Master looks like Ocean Master. Yeah, Holy and so does Black Manta. Sh- yeah. Uh, who it is I will insane. <laughs> never be able to take seriously. Yaya Abdul Mateen the Second is amazing. I like saying his name. Yeah, that's a great name, Jesus. <laughs> cool. Again, more things is good. It's still kind of surreal to me that Aquaman is being treated not just as a viable franchise, but like one to actually invest in. But, you know, we have Bloodshot and Morbius, so I don't know why I still keep being surprised by mm-hmm. the people are willing to put in on it. Disney has... Not Disney, sorry. DC has a pretty good success rate with their cartoons it's probably their strongest point so bring it on yeah i'm assuming it's going to be a very like jason momoa style aquaman or it's based off of the momoa i think it's supposed to fill in between this and oh aquaman so it's a too. like actual continuation i think it's supposed to be okay i will always think of aquaman as you know orange scale shirt Mm-hmm. and blonde and just classic Aquaman. But my favorite Aquaman is Angry 90s Pirate Aquaman, which is what they obviously decided to tap into. Now they just need to cut off Momoa's hand and put a hook there. Uh, or no, I'm down. Not cut off, have it eaten by piranhas, because it was the 90s. Right. Let's be extra as all hell. I am so down for him having... The hook hand, and like he hand. later attaches it to like a... Uh, rope projectile so he can like shoot his hook hand at people like grapple hook hand yes oh my god it was so extra but it was so good oh i really should have written down this for the guy's first name but um looks like the merovingians coming back for uh matrix four the merovingian he was the the french program oh yeah okay I need to rewatch Matrix 2 and 3. I saw 2 like 10 years ago, and I saw 3 when it came out. So I honestly don't remember a lot about those. Um, but I've been wanting to rewatch The Matrix anyways, just because I'm curious of how well it holds, it holds up. up 20 years later. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's still a good movie, but like I remember those special I'm sure one being... holds up. 2 and 3... Yeah, we'll see. They they weren't as strong in the first place, but I'm also curious to watch it as an adult and see if I like it more or less, like if I'm picking up more than I was before, or if I'm where my parents were that thought that 2 and 3 were just garbage. They <laughs> hated it. I'm kind of excited just because I, I feel like I liked 2 and 3 more than most people did, although I still would rate them below number 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's The Matrix. I didn't really feel like Matrix needed a sequel, though I understood why they did it, uh, in the same way that I understand why they're doing it again. 
I know Keanu Reeves is back. He's on a hot streak lately, which is nice because he went through a period where he just made a ton of bad movies mm-hmm. or forgettable movies, even. Now we got the Keanu Sons. Now we have the, and bring on the Keanu Sons. Do we have Lawrence Fishburne back for this? I haven't been keeping super caught up. I'm, I'm pretty until sure like we have, now. I can't think of her name. I just Carrie Ann Moss. Thank you. I keep wanting to call her Jerry Hogarth from uh, uh, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. I'm I'm excited to see how they decide to go forward with it. Let me see more before I decide how I feel. They have at least one of the Wachowski sisters. Mm-hmm. So, sweet. Uh, at least it's in the hands of some of the people. I don't know why it's only one instead of both, both. of them. I don't either. I Did think the other just sort of bow out of doing yeah, things, just though? Was, oh, doing things at all? Or? I, I'm not sure. I haven't been following close enough. Yeah. But um, I feel like lately I've only been seeing one Wachowski name ever out there. But I don't know. I think that I, one of them, when know. they came out as... I want to say when they came out as trans retired from public life for a little while to kind of figure out their own shit but mm-hmm. that that could have been a while ago i don't follow these super closely i know i've seen some of their post matrix films speed racer speed God, racer i felt like i was having a stroke when i was watching that i really enjoyed it and john goodwin looked like he was having the time of his life in that movie but damn <laughs> Who knows for how long, but Spider-Man and Wolverine will be part of the Fantastic Four for at least a little bit coming up. Cool. Uh, my One of my all-time favorite Fantastic Four storylines is... Oh, that looks like Art Adams, probably. Maybe Nick Barucci for the art. Sorry, he's showing me a picture of Fantastic Four. But one of my favorite... Runs- Isaacs. Isaacs? Okay. I was wrong in both cases. Influences, though. One of my favorite Fantastic Four runs is the new Fantastic Four from Walt Simonson and Art Adams, where they think the Fantastic Four is dead, so Grey Hulk, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, and Wolverine team up to avenge them. And it's such a goofy 90s story, but in a way that's really fun. Um, And also Marvel announced Children of the Atom. Which I probably wouldn't have been like I, I wouldn't have cared so much until I saw the cover and some of the these new characters that they're introducing are very obviously uh, takeoffs of existing X Men. Have you read about this series at all? I think the series is really interesting sounding. I've I've only read a couple little paragraphs here and there. I mean, they haven't released much. Yeah. Um, but you got a Gambit, a Nightcrawler, a Cyclops, an Angel. And a Jean Grey. And a Jean Grey. But it's not the ones that we know. It is... The original idea is what if the X-Men had sidekicks? And then it's basically what if people became X-Men, but like existing X-Men. Like, oh, I have a similar power to Scott Summers has. I'll be the next Cyclops. In the same way that Miles Morales is like the next Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And I think this could be really interesting. And the X-Men line... This one interests me a little more than some of the X-Men books that have been coming out because it is a little less, it looks a little less dedicated tie-in to the Dawn of X stories. Mm -hmm. And I love when the X side books are just allowed to be weird and heroic and 
even when the X-Men are like having to deal with the, the survival of the mutant race, X-Factor can be out there doing whatever weird, goofy, detective stuff they're doing, for example. Right. For me, I'm in because you got a Gambit character, you got a Nightcrawler character, you have, and you have Cyclops and Jean Grey, but without the burden of them being Scott and Jean. See, I love Scott and Jean, but I agree that you have all of the formula for a really good, strong X-Men team, but all... You don't have to deal with that baggage history. Yeah, all, all bets are off. Like, you, anything could happen... Cyclops and Archangel could be a couple, or Nightcrawler and Gambit, who's, or... Oh, and that's like, the thing, it's looking a lot more Archangel-y than Angel. Yeah, that and guy does I'm super down. Poor Warren Worthington is only interesting when bad things happen to him. And even then, only sorta. He is the weakest of the original five X-Men by, like, leaps and bounds. But I do love his look when bad things happen to him. Yes. Archangel's design is... That, it's that Walt Simonson design from the like mid-80s, and it's so strong. Uh, and I don't dislike Warren. I, I like all of the mm-hmm. five original X-Men, but like he's the one that I don't think could carry a solo series, and I have proof that the rest can. Mm-hmm. Except Beast. I don't have a Beast solo series, and that's wrong to me. They had one back in the day, but... I like I don't think there's been one since like the sixties. That's a long or time. Or seventies. Like it's it's fucking time, Marvel. Give Beast some love. And let Hank McCoy be funny again. Like let 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 Beast be funny. <laughs> I that's pretty much what I got for the news. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a lot of news. It has been news heavy lately. Yeah, I'm I'm ho- you know what? I skipped over a lot of shit that probably just wasn't worth bringing up anyway, but there was mm. a lot of things to potentially bring up yeah. this week. I was kind of surprised and overwhelmed when I was looking at it. but They're they're getting ready to start talking about things. Oh, uh, Picard launches in, I think, like three days at this point. Oh, sweet. Uh, I am real excited. I need to get CC caught up on Star Trek, on uh, Next Gen, so we can watch it together. And I'm going to try to hold out until we've watched all of that. But I might watch some of it myself, just because... I have grown up with Picard being, like, the moral authority figure. Like, what would Picard do? So, uh, yeah. Battlestar Galacticast come ba- comes back soon, so I can start watching Battlestar Galactica again, because I've been going along with the podcast nice. to it. So, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. It's kind of like a show starting, but not really. Also, but kind of. Battlestar Galacticast is a great name. Good job, you <laughs> other podcast people. <laughs> Um, well, shit. Since that's it for news... Oh, what have you been ingesting lately? It's still been mostly Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. I don't have much new this week. I've been playing Spyro the Dragon Reignited Trilogy, which is just a remake of the first three. I say that. I've been playing the first one. Like, I'm not even close to getting to the second one yet. Mm -hmm. It is disgustingly cute. Um, I'm really impressed with how well the Spyro game holds up. 20 plus years later it's like oh, right. a 25 year old game and i'm sure that they like smoothed out some of the controls a little bit but like it it feels like how spyro used to play but it still feels real good like sometimes when you play remakes or reskinnings of old games you're like wow this is twitchy and weird and primitive and i it didn't feel like that to me with this so i i appreciate it 
I guess I got... I mentioned Red Dead last week. I guess I got one other one. All right. What you got? Um, I've been finally playing Pokemon Go again. Yeah. I have not, and I need to fix that. <laughs> I... Yeah, I hadn't since, like, January 2017. Oh, wow. You were out for a long time. I'm just, like, a week off. Like, um... No, I was out for years. years. Oh, it's a completely different game for you. It's so much more fun than it used to be. Yeah, like I, I kind of forget because I've been playing it since it launched. Right. Not always like super consistently, but semi-regularly, more than any other video game. Mm-hmm. So the the changes have come on much more slowly. So it's got to be interesting to jump back in. Oh, I was so confused at first because there was so much more new, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. I'm having a lot of fun. I've been uh, very, very ardently trying to level up my Chandelure up to Best Buddy so I get that CP boost for some raid action. Uh, I haven't played around with a new updated Buddy system yet. Uh, CC and I would go to, we went to brunch every week on the same day to the same brunch place for years. Mm-hmm. Partly just because I think Hobnob's really good. And partly because there are two Pokestops that you can reach from right there. And every week we would go have brunch, play Pokemon Go, spend time. It was just like our weekly day. Mm-hmm. And we just recently stopped it because CC's had to make some changes to her diet. So the Hobnob food just doesn't work as well as it mm-hmm. did before. And so we haven't had that Pokemon Go weekly date. And I've just been like, Fuck. We have to find a new place where we can have brunch, because I need my pogo date. <laughs> right. Uh, so I know every restaurant in town that has poker stops in range. That's really funny. Um, we're going to have to go out to eat. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's been a lot of fun. I forgot how much I kind of just like the world of Pokemon and thinking about Pokemon. Oh, and... I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Sword, too. I guess mm. I should mention that as well. Uh, yeah, I have been a diehard Pokemon fan since... Always. Pokemon Blue was one of the first video games I ever had. I fell off really quickly, but I always would check back in whenever they would release new games to check out all the new Pokemon. Yeah. Um, I fell off after Gen 2 because I'm not a huge video game Mm -hmm. player. And then I jumped back in around Sun and Moon. And I think Sun and Moon was a really underrated one. It was way too easy. I beat the entire Elite Four with one set of Pokemon... One Pokemon for each one. Like, that that should not be a thing. That's funny. Uh, Sword is significantly harder. It's still not hard, but it's harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have had Pokemon faint. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really do, for a game franchise where it is, your government is a cockfight, cockfighting as a system of government... It is way better than it has any right to be. Right. Um, I, but yeah, I really... I love Pokemon. We're going to have to do a Pokemon episode. <sighs> we should review the first movie. Oh, I... The Mewtwo one? Yeah, I remember that movie. I oh man, I watched it again recently. I was pretty drunk. Uh, <laughs> um, it is not necessarily a good movie, but I had a hell of a time watching it. Like, It's better than it should be. I just want to talk about Pokemon design and how fucking lazy some of them are. but A literal bag of garbage in some of them. I, uh, I just caught that motherfucker this <laughs> Rubbish or something like that? Trubbish? Uh, Trubbish, uh, I think. Yeah. Oh, mention that around Yui sometime. They get mad. But uh, some of the design is so dope. And yeah, and some of them are brilliant. So Pokemon is... 
Pokemon. I am a Nintendo fanboy. Let's be honest. I enjoy Mario. Waluigi is my favorite. I but I got it. So on the po- on the go. Yeah. What, what team? Oh, Mystic. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I started with uh, when we first started playing. C and I played together because her phone at the time could handle it. Her favorite is Articuno, and I started with blue version. So both of us are like, well, mm. it's going to be Mystic. Like, um, I like Zapdos better as a bird, but Mystic. They're the Ravenclaw of Pokemon oh, yeah. Go. Mystic's the way to go. Yeah. That's where it's at. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've been ingesting. That's about all I have, too. Cool. Um, let's take a quick break and then jump in on some crisis. Sounds good. <laughs> on Crisis on Infinite Earths. We talked about a comic book series that really makes no sense. I love it. It's amazing. It makes no sense. We kind of started to talk about the, the adaptation. But I'd only seen the first episode, so we and, didn't dive too deep into and it. And only the first three of five were out, and we discovered that they didn't come back as soon as we had hoped. Yeah, so we're catching back up now. Uh, yeah, I watched this... Friday, I think. I sat down and watched all of them in one sitting. Uh, I have now watched it all like three times. Okay. I watched them individually as they came out. I rewatched the first three before we did the episode last time. Yeah. And then I rewatched these two again before this last time. Or before this time. Mm-hmm. However it all works out. Have I only seen them all twice? Maybe I've only all seen them twice, not You've seen times. them more than most people have. Uh, so as someone who has been mostly following these shows, I know you had fallen behind an arrow. And Black Lightning. And Black Although Lightning. he doesn't pop up as much as I would have liked. But nope, we can but as that. I've only seen him a little bit, I really liked him in this. He had my favorite line in this thing, but we'll get to that. It's right at the end. But yeah, what what did you think as someone who is much more up to date on the... I do wish we would have got to sort of set this up a little bit more last time by going over the first three, because I thought they were all right, but nothing too special. Those last two capped it off, and this is my favorite crossover. Wow. And you've been talking about Crisis on Earth X real strong. I, I mean, and Elseworlds was real strong, too. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like they nailed it feeling more like a crossover this time rather uh a couple of the episodes got a little bit like it's this show except with some extra characters it's always a danger with crossovers i think it has a little bit to do so we're just going to bounce all around i mostly noticed that in the arrow episode which one was the arrow episode uh episode four um where uh, Ollie becomes Spectre, and they're bouncing around in the Speed Force. That definitely had a much... Oh, I figured that was going to be the Flash one. That definitely had a much darker tone. I did think in some ways it was one of the stronger episodes of the of the crossover. Uh, what I noticed in that one was we had a lot more of the principal cast of the show that it was based in showing up in the episode compared to the others that, like, like episode two might as well have been a Legends of Tomorrow episode, with yeah. how much Legends were in it, that sort of thing. But I think it's because Arrow's been around for eight seasons, and so their contracts are now all to the point where they have to appear in so many in epi- minutes an episode. Well, and are they just <laughs> done 
now. They like, have two episodes left. Arrow has two episodes yeah. left. Okay, that's One's good. Because if if this had been the real final goodbye, like this Arrow is now done, no more episodes, I actually would have been mad for the Arrow cast. Oh, yeah. No, One of the episodes, I think, is going to be the backdoor pilot for Arrow and the Canaries. Makes sense. And the other one is Goodbye Show. Let Diggle have his PTSD workout. Yeah. God, Diggle was tragic in this one. He just wanted to help, and no one would let him. So, okay, let's... So, we talked about the first episode a little bit last time, but basically, shit starts happening, they have to fight shadow demons, Ollie dies. Yeah, that's the exciting bits. Next one... It was technically the Batwoman episode. The next one was the Batwoman episode? Yes. Okay. Uh, They have to go find... Batman, they have to go find Brandon Ruth Superman, mm-hmm. who people keep calling Kingdom Come Superman, but is only very sort of Kingdom Come Superman. Like he's closer than any other Kingdom Come Superman we've gotten. Yes, but like in Kingdom Come, Superman is fucking broken by that attack by the jo- of the Joker on the Daily Planet. Well, in this one, he's just like. It really sucked, but I'm going to keep on going. Like, I'm a, he's way less damaged than the Kingdom Come Superman. I think... I loved him. I am not saying this is a negative. I think the other reason people are specifically saying Kingdom Come Superman, though, is because if you just say Brendan Ruth Superman, you assume Superman returns. You know what? I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to say this is the same Superman and just shit went real bad. Which is Superman Returns, so no one really cares that much anyways. He was always a really good Superman yes. in a really boring movie. Uh, I liked it when I was a kid. And then I watched it again and went, oh no. With Lex doing another real estate scheme. Jesus Christ. Kevin Spacey playing Lex, which is really uncomfortable in retrospect. But yeah, I mean, it was... Eh. But Brandon Ruth has always been a great Superman, so it was really fun... And it was fun to watch him play both roles and be comfortable in both roles as Superman and as the Atom. Uh, and as someone who hasn't watched much Legends, I forgot how much I like their version of Ray Palmer. Oh, he's so much fun. He's, and he's become a little bit goofier the past couple seasons, but it's I mean, he was pretty goofy pretty early on, too. And he's always been very just happy yeah. of what's going on. And I love superheroes that instead of being grim and gritty, like they can be sad. That's great make your character suffer here and there but like it's just kind of excited at this weird ass life that he's living and how cool it is Mm -hmm. if you haven't been i mean i know you haven't been watching legends you got a pretty good taste of some of the legends antics in this crossover i really want to watch legends now the other thing that started around this time was i have not seen this lex Luthor before Oh, yeah, John Cryer, Lex Luthor. And he's amazing. He's so fun, right? He's super hammy, but, like, Lex Luthor can be hammy, and that can be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also... Was this before or after where they go see Smallville? Are they doing that part, too, or is it just the other two things I mentioned? Going to meet Batman and going to... No, that was this episode as well. Okay, I just... I didn't want to skip ahead... Because I have, I want to talk about like all four parts of that. No, you have the beginning of the episode, which is basically a Legends episode where they end up having to hand the baby over to Mick. That was funny. <laughs> and I like that. That the, is straight out of Legends. And that I is. like that the voice of the ship in this one is basically just Captain Cold. 
Yeah. It's the same actor and they keep calling him Leonard. I actually wrote, like, how is this just not a Legends episode instead of a Batwoman episode? <laughs> and if we're talking about how... If, if I'm looking back to the first time I watched it, this has also had me... Some of the dialogue they were having were, hey, I, I promised the Legends they wouldn't have to get involved in a crossover. Yeah. I, I actually found it a little disconcerting how meta they were being with, like, is this what a crossover is always like in the last one? But we'll get to that. That's... Um... Uh, for me... Just Sarah saying that made me so excited because I knew the Legends had an episode, so I'm like, oh shit, like they're gonna get brought in in some way. Yeah, I, I, I Legends have been my favorite part of this, and it's the series that people have been telling me to watch the most. So this, if Crisis has done anything, it's really driven home that I need to find time for Legends and Black Lightning. Uh, I kept just getting pissed when people, because I'm such a massive Legends fan, mm -hmm. every time in this episode and going forward throughout Crisis, because it didn't really start till this episode, is I was pissed whenever people wouldn't listen to Sarah. Yeah, she's really the leader. She is such a good leader. Which I'm, is so good. I mean, I haven't seen her since early, early Legends. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see this character growth. And it fits for everything we've seen of her this entire time. Um, I was trying to think about it when I was thinking about what I would even say about this crossover, and she's such a strong leader, it's highlighted so well throughout the entire crossover, and she's also the only one I would follow. I would not follow Team Flash, I would, there's a 50-50 chance they would end up getting my ass killed before they could deal with their own interpersonal disputes. Yeah, probably. Um, I sent you a text while watching this being like, if Ollie's daughter backstasses Sarah one more time, I'm going to reach through this screen and set her on fire. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, her and Ray were probably my favorite parts of this crossover. I really liked Ruby Rose as Batwoman. Uh, I love the wig how... doesn't quite work, mm. but well, they can work on that. I loved her immediately having Kara's back on issues. Yes. I, I I think I've mentioned it elsewhere on the podcast. I really love when the Brave and the Bold isn't just Bruce and Clark. Mm -hmm. When it's Tim Drake and Connor Kent Superboy. When it's Supergirl and Batgirl. Or in this case, Supergirl and Batwoman. Like, it's... The dynamic still works so well. Uh, so, thoughts on Kevin Conroy? Uh, <laughs> it is not how I wanted to see him be live-action Batman. But... It also was still live-action Batman, which I thought was... Uh, Kevin Conroy is live-action Batman, which is amazing. It is probably their most impressive get to me of like people they got to come on board. Mm -hmm. uh, and it shouldn't be, because he's a voice actor. It's not hard to get him to do work. But he just... It was such a good, powerful moment as a longtime fan. And he sold the role of this really insane Batman. This Bruce is not well. Yeah. Not anymore. And I got the sense that he wasn't too much in the first place. He's almost like Dark Knight Returns Batman meets Kingdom Come Batman. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping if they were going to go killer Batman that they were going to twist it. And because they had already done... They had already done Flashpoint in The Flash, where Flashpoint Universe just lived on and we were just going to get Thomas Wayne Batman. Oh, so you were wanting Flashpoint Batman more? Mm -hmm. See, I kind of wanted Batman Beyond. Right. Uh, because we've I wanted already Bat seen him play Old Man Bruce. We know he's so good at it. And it could have been interesting for Batwoman to see kind of someone else who's also taking on the cowl. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, the costume designs are so similar that it would have been really kind of fun to see like a live-action Batman Beyond very briefly. So I guess I'll agree with you on that. What I wanted was Batman Beyond. If they're going to go killer Batman, I, yes, I prefer fair enough. Thomas Wayne. Um, he was so over the top that it was kind of goofy. But again, he was doing it in the voice, so I didn't mind the whole time. Oh my god, he did the voice the entire time. It was uh, so great. It's hilarious to watch him do interviews because he's actually got this really kind of like it's it's a little calm, bit higher kind of kind of like feel good voice and. Then he goes into his bat voice, and it's his bat voices. You mentioned last week, I'm talking about last week a lot too, I just watched it, or listened to our episode today, how Mark Hamill is your Joker voice, Kevin Conroy is my Batman voice. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm always just excited whenever Constantine pops up, and he did. And... And does for the next couple episodes, but then sort of bows out towards the end. And then Lucifer... Too, who I have not watched Lucifer, so that was interesting to oh, yeah, see. Yeah, that came up, I think, the next episode. Oh, sorry. But it's okay, because that uh, was something. Let's talk about, this is the Smallville one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I didn't really watch much Smallville. I watched, like, the first season. I really liked what I saw. I just never... It's I, not good TV, but it's TV I grew up watching. But I did see the online reaction of this episode, and there was some Smallville fans not really happy with him having somehow thrown away the Superman powers? Um, okay, so first, I had I watched Smallville. I started watching the final episode of season one, and I think it's when season two actually came out, because it was like a two-parter, so they just showed one and then the other. And I was like 11. And I watched it through college. It was... It's easy to forget about now, because, you know, we have, what, like eight superhero shows on... The CW alone, mm-hmm. that was it. If you before Iron Man, if you wanted superhero TV, you got a Batman movie every couple of years, and you had Smallville, and I will love it forever because of that. There are parts Tom Welling was great as Clark, Michael Rosenbaum was amazing as Lex. I liked the characters. It was also an early two thousands CW show. It leaned into the ridiculous teen drama so hard. Uh, but, like, my first crush was Chloe Sullivan. Right. Which is really unfortunate because the actress got hired, or not hired, was arrested for running a sex cult. Yeah. And that's real uncomfortable. That's uh, a crazy story. Oh, But, so I, I, it was just so satisfying to see these characters... And watch him punch out Lex Luthor was hilarious to me. It does not surprise me that Clark gave up his powers. Okay. Clark tried to give up his powers so many fucking times in that show, you would think he was Peter Parker. But I don't feel like it's permanent. I feel like eventually something's going to come up and Clark's going to have to get his powers back because that's how Clark rolls. He'll love to give them up and have his normal life and then be like, Oh God. Only I can save me, or save us. Right. It's time. And it made perfect sense to me that this Tom Welling, this Superman, who was only ever sort of comfortable being Superman, like it was his destiny, not what he really wanted to be, would give up his powers to look after his kids, at least for a while. My bet, like my headcanon of where this would go if we somehow got Smallville back, which I would love but also hate at the same time, um, would be... Clark gives up his powers, becomes a parent, 
and at some point his kid's powers are going to kick in and he'll get his powers back so he can be super dad. I would watch the hell out of that show. That'd be pretty great. I like that. That's a really good idea. (laughs) So yeah, it's a really good idea. And I guess my head just like, I, I never bought it that he would forever give up his powers, but I bought it that he would temporarily. So I wasn't that bothered by it, especially because my brain just immediately came up with that headcanon. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing I ran up against in this entire crossover was in this episode. And with what she's been through and the things she's done and the fact that the legends, with the lessons she's learned, I don't think Sarah goes along with. She folded so fucking Agreeing fast. to use the Lazarus Pit. It was so weird that she folded that quickly. That's, that was my biggest problem with this entire crossover. Absolutely agree. Um, I kind of understand why they wanted to do the Lazarus Pit. I thought it was completely unnecessary. Overall, I don't know, though. There was a lot of Legends and a lot of Superman for a Batwoman episode. Yeah. Um, but Are... then, so they used the Lazarus Pit. And that basically takes us into episode three. Okay, and that's where episode three ends. Uh, and then this one is split between Oliver's mind and what else is happening in this? Is this where we learn about the Paragons, where we find out that some of them are basically just digi-destined? Yes. Uh, and this is the one where like we lose 90s Flash. This okay. is where they bring in uh, This Black is where Lightning. we first meet Black Lightning. Okay. Oliver's That's head- where they start with a uh, Birds of Prey universe getting taken out by the. That was really satisfying as who someone who also watched that show, <laughs> and then watched it a second time and went, "Oh no, this show is terrible." Uh, this one is technically a Flash episode. Did I already say that? Uh, I forgot if you had. So perfect. This is where we get Lucifer. Okay, we have mm-hmm. Lucifer. That's interesting. Don't have much to say there. I haven't watched it, but I have listened to him on a podcast, and he is charming. Just his voice is charming. I've heard that he is insanely charming in the show. He was super charming. He was super flirty with all of them, which is perfect. I don't have any relationship to the Lucifer comics, so I didn't really pursue the show, but I keep, again, on the eternal list of stuff I'd like to watch someday. I've heard really good things about it. It was nice to see Diggle here. I did not realize how much I like Diggle as a character. Until he finally showed up in the crossover, and I'm like, fuck yeah, it's Diggle time. Oh, the the biggest thing I liked with the Lucifer scene, I just have to... I, I was trying to figure out what, what the fuck my note meant. Yeah. Uh, the Constantine. Constantine. Uh, uh, the fact that they finally brought that up is hilarious, because in the Hellblazer comics, it is made very apparent. Like, uh-huh. it is flat out said a number of times that it's Constantine. And he corrects people a couple times, and now he's finally like, no, it's Constantine. Everyone knows Constantine. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a ton to say about the Oliver one. I thought it was super unnecessary to bring him back again. You could have just had him wake up in the afterlife, meet the Jim Corrigan Specter. It was kind of cool to see the Jim Corrigan Specter, but like, that came super out of nowhere. That was interesting, too. I did like that they lampshaded for a moment with Constantine, like, because there was a Jim Corrigan in the Constantine show. Oh, okay. But he hadn't spectered yet. Okay. And so when he popped on the scene and he's like, I'm Jim Corrigan, and you're like, not the one I know. 
Oh, I didn't get that before. I didn't catch that. I watched the first couple Constantine, but it was when it came out, so it's mm-hmm. been a while. I just, like, if you have Jim Corrigan in the Spectre, I would have loved to see you do a little more with the Spectre. But I also enjoyed this Oliver playing the Spectre. It made sense to me in its own bizarre way. How the fuck do you go from Green Arrow seasons one and two not even having powers? Yeah, that he first meets Barry and he's like, what the... Like, no, because they didn't even... Barry didn't even have powers yet. He, uh... Yeah, it was his, just Solomon Grundy with, like, the anger drug. Yeah, the Mirakura. Oh, man. Yeah. And I definitely had Ollie that thought. being... The Spectre. <laughs> Jesus. This episode also... So they brought in Black Lightning. I and... really liked that. I have not seen any Black Lightning. He was gruffer sounding than I was expecting. And he's different. He's so different. One of the neat things about the black lightning tv show is uh you were mentioned when we were talking about star girl before with the things like cw does really well is like these teen dramas and that's what we're used to seeing from them Mm -hmm. he was a superhero and he gave it up and he has a family yeah and he's had to come back to it and his family's a super big part of it and that's why the worst bit of this episode is Is, the fact that he got all of 20 seconds to grieve for his family not even having seen the episode it was very believable that this guy was just like i need to fucking protect my kids oh my god my kids are dead fuck i don't know what to do it felt very and i I was willing to accept it that he i kind of felt like he was in shock i mean yeah yeah there's no way none or that all these characters aren't in shock so they just all kind of go to business, and I found that. I, I enjoyed that. I feel like if his family was wiped out in one fell swoop, from what I've seen of Black Lightning, and I haven't been keeping up on it, so maybe he's his character has grown a little bit, but I feel like he would have lashed out a lot more. Okay. I'm, I, I guess that's the thing I Having not watched into. the show, I can't argue you on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, that's disappointing. It was just... It was just for me mostly it was sad that it was given all of like 10 seconds for him to deal with in no matter how he was going to deal with it because they immediately just moved on to the next thing anyway i am kind of disappointed in them that they put in this huge crossover and all three of their prominent characters of color all four really kind of didn't have a ton to do because cisco has a very brief scene and it's good but oh, like yeah. there's not much there diggle isn't in like his big thing is largely that he missed the crisis manhunter has some and black lightning has some but i would have liked to see more uh we get 90s flash having pushing all uh barry out of the way after barry pushed him out of the way <laughs> yeah it was inevitable i, I liked like it. it it was fun it was a good way of doing the flash died without the flash dying I haven't seen Elseworlds where he's It was a good way to get around in, so. the Flash dying. That old school Flash costume definitely shows its age. Yeah. The, like, red felt, basically, that he's... I'm like, God, that looks uncomfortable to run in. Like, I still... Oh, I really like it, though. And I like how they used the old footage to send them out. I did, too. Um, I, it made me actually want to watch that show, because I've never seen mm. the original Flash TV show. Fucking... Lex Luthor. Yeah. He's so <laughs> hammy. And when I, I remember I saw that that's who they had picked to be Lex Luthor being like, can this guy pull it off? Like I've only Ducky? ever... Ducky? 
Yeah, like really? That's Lenny Luther? Uh, oh god, I forgot he was Lenny Luther. Um, and the guy from because wasn't he in like Two and a Half Men? Two and a Half Men, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not a show I cared for, but like I I had seen an episode or two with him with that. But he plays it really well. Like he he gets to play up his comedy role still while not. I groaned a little bit at the fact that he just wrote Lex into the page from the Book of Destiny, though. It yeah. was perfect, and at the same time, I was like, really? He bordered on the edge of too much at all times, but I still really enjoyed the role. He's, I would probably... Nope, he's going to be like my third Lex Luthor. The Lex Luthor from Smallville was uh, awesome. Uh, Rosenbaum? Uh, Michael Rosenbaum. And I will always be, just because I grew up watching these, to be honest with you, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor from Superman the Animated Series and Justice League. Because he mm. was... Uh, he... Fuck, I love Clancy Brown's voice. Yeah. And I, I'm just realizing that a lot of this comes from having watched those growing up. So those are the iconic voices that connect. But damn, those Bruce Timm shows were good. Like, they all... The, the reason they connected so well. Um, I would have loved to see Clancy Brown somewhere in this. Um was I know Paul Dini was on it was Tim also on uh, Tiny Toon Adventures I think that both of them worked on Tiny Toon I think that's where they like I know Dini for sure but I couldn't remember if Tim did I never watched much Tiny Toons I did it's a great great show he's very proud of it like I've heard interviews with him and he talks about it on the same level as all his other stuff um (laughs) yeah and it was at the end of that episode that we went into the break Okay, so everything had been destroyed. They're at the vanishing point. Mm-hmm. We meet Ryan Choi, who I'm assuming they're setting up as a replacement for yeah, Ray Palmer. For Ray Palmer. Uh, which is good, and I enjoyed him. I thought he was pointless to have in Crisis. I agree, but I'm glad they found some way to introduce his character because they are getting rid of Brandon Ruth. So. Yes, which, God, does not. Like, mm. it doesn't make sense to me. He's so good. He's so good, and he did not... It sounds like he wanted to stay on, so... Oh. Or, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, it sounded like it wasn't his choice. They chose to write him out. And it might be just that show is super white. It might be they just weren't sure what to do with Brandon Ruth. Bringing on Ryan Choi is a good call. I think you could have had two Adams and been just fine. I, I'm surprised they're just going one Adam for another, because it already seems like the past couple seasons they've had to... Uh, minimize the amount of time he's the Adam to begin with. Yeah, it's expensive. For, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for budgetary reasons, and I don't blame them. I realize they're making a TV show, but... You know, originally he was supposed to be Ted Cord, mm. And for various reasons, that ended up not working out. Like, they just... For whatever reason, they suddenly couldn't use Ted Cord. Because uh, those early Arrow seasons... Because that's when they were still working really heavily on the uh, Blue Beater Booster Gold script. Yeah. Uh, the early Arrow series suffered a lot from being allowed to use a character and then suddenly having the rights yanked from them. Oh, um, goodbye Suicide Squad. Goodbye Deathstroke. And uh, Ray Palmer, Adam, uh, Brandon Ruth works way better as Ted Cord. They just kind of like sw- swapped some names. Mm-hmm. And eventually gave him some shrinking powers that he doesn't use much. So I wish they had kept him as Ted. And you could have done this exact same thing, except used Jaime Reyes instead of Ryan Choi. Yeah. And he would have been a great Ted. I am also a huge Blue Beetle fan. And I'm not giving them crap for their choice. 
he's a lot of fun as Ray Palmer. And I like seeing Ray Palmer get time because I think he's a good character that doesn't get the love that he deserves. Yeah. I I just love Brandon Ruth. Have you ever read the Sword of the Atom miniseries? No. The Atom finds out his wife is cheating on him. So they divorce. And she's cheating for a good reason. Like, kind of a good... I mean, cheating is douchey. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. But, like, he had basically abandoned her to be a superhero and a scientist. And so she was lonely and found someone else. Like, it's bad. But it also is just relationships and things happen. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to the Amazon for whatever reason. Gets, like, injured and thought dead. Stuck at tiny size. And meets this, like, civilization of tiny fantasy people, like Conan the Barbarian world, at, at the, like, two-inch height, and goes into battle riding frogs and stuff. And he becomes, like, their, like, Conan the Barbarian warrior prince. That's amazing. Marries the princess and is like, I will rule this land now. And it's so weird, and it is my favorite Adam story of all time. It's actually just really good, too. That's and then weird. they did it for, like, this one miniseries and then decided they wanted to use the Atom again, so they just, like, destroyed the entire civilization and had him come back to the real world and, like, never talk about it again. And I'm like, what kind of PTSD do you have at this point? That is... I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been doing? Oh, I've been fighting the Joker. What about you? Oh, I, uh... Became the king of a legendary fantasy mini-land in the heart of the Amazon. And then they were all blown up, so now I'm back here. What are you, so, like, yeah. <laughs> no biggie. After the deterioration of my marriage. Like, uh, that's amazing. I'm gonna have to maybe read that at some point. Oh, I got too much shit to read. Yeah, no, same here. And then they de-aged him and made him join the Teen Titans. So, like, the Adam has had a really weird history. Huh. Um, <laughs> wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But, as I've mentioned before, at that break point, I was pretty meh. Uh, not meh. Like, I was happy about it. Like It's I was... fun. I'm enjoying it. It's not the top of the line. Then four and five happened. Okay. We start with... And I'll admit that part of my excitement is just because I love Legends. And we got even more We legends. got so much Legends. Um... Before was technically an Arrow episode. And that's the one where they go into this... We, we see this... Uh, we see Oliver as the Spectre, which was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. We see all of the survivors and the traumas they're going through. What the fuck was Kara doing for that six... Was she just carrying that cape for six straight months around the <laughs> ship? <laughs> uh, moping, by the sound of it. She's... She can be an Oliver and Flash level moper when she wants to be. Oh man! And those was... two are some mopey some bitches. That was when I realized how much time had passed, and that's all that they showed her. I was like, so, so is that what she's? Everything I see of Kara lately, and maybe it's just because she watched her entire Earth get destroyed and her mother killed and stuff. But she is just PTSD baby throughout all of this, <laughs> and I get it. She has a lot going down, and all of it is bad. We find out that it was Marnovu instead of Krona, like it was in the comics, which makes sense. Remind me who Mar... Oh, right. Marnovu is the monitor. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, make, it it simplifies a lot of things, and it was... They also wildly changed the monitor's origin story, as opposed to like him being basically an early engine of creation, like Galactus-level character, and instead 
he was a guy. It was a lot easier to sell this story as a live-action TV show than it would be, like, I'm a yeah. creator god. Barry coming out of the Speed Force was as haggard as I've ever seen him look. He looked spent. He looked fucked. And yeah, that not was... not good. Good job, makeup department, and good job, Grant Gustin. He looked beaten there. That was sold it. Sold it so hard. I felt tired for him. That said, he did not sell mm. Do You Trust Me with every fiber of my being. <laughs> just every the molecule line, of my but, body. Yeah, it was just forced and almost weirdly sexual. <laughs> like, <laughs> with every fiber of my... Like, that is a romance line right there. And great. Those two have a great bromance. But it was just... I didn't buy it nearly as strongly. Like... Uh, the way all the memories and stuff worked was yada yada really hard, and some of it didn't seem to make much sense. Yeah. Uh, the, the that scene... woman scene was weird. Yeah. They just needed to get people from point A to point B. It's not strong. I think I was mixing up episodes four and five, because have you seen The Legends? That's kind of like the postscript, I think. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Speed Force, not so strong. Uh, Not terrible. There were some nice moments in it. Well, we got the big moment. Ezra fucking Miller. Yeah. And he gets who he starts calling himself the Flash because he ran into Barry. Yeah, I forgot that he didn't. That scene was apparently filmed after the rest of it. They had mm-hmm. like already finished filming, and someone was talking to the guy running Flash. And he's like, "You guys think you could finish Ezra or fit Ezra Miller?" And he's like, "Yes." And I'm like. Oh, wait, you guys have already finished recording. He's like, we'll do it anyways. We'll just call Grant back in. We're doing this. Uh, It was fun. I... If I have seen Justice League, I fell asleep. So I don't have... But he was fun. I like Ezra Miller. I, I... The biggest success of Justice League to me was that I went in biased against him because of how much I liked Grant. And came out really liking him as Flash. His costume doesn't super work for me. I don't like that costume. It's too armored. I don't like that Grant liked that costume. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Grant gets up going, ow, a lot. Like, that's a major Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, So it made sense to me that he'd see an armored costume and be like, shit, that's an option? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I, I had liked that Ezra was so just like, oh, God, it looks so maneuverable. Because he always looked super, like, constricted. Um, him talking to, talking about, I told Vic that this was a thing, mm-hmm. was kind of fun. I think it's a mistake that they have kind of erased Cyborg's time in the Titans. I, I, and it, he can be a member of the Justice League now. That's great. I love Kid Sidekick makes good. He's been pretty great in Doom Patrol. Yeah, he he doesn't have to be a Titan. He's really nice to have having been a Titan. Like I mm-hmm. think that they add the the uh, the Titans add to Cyborg. Cyborg adds to the Titans in a way that is both of them suffer by not having him there. But I do like the Flash Vic friendship. Um, I think a lot of well, the uh, uh, I hear a lot. We're going to make these two characters the new Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. And a lot of times it doesn't work, but I I kind of believe it with those two. They're both nerd jocks. And nerd jocks get along. 
I kind of love this sort of running joke throughout it all that everyone's kind of disappointed by the name of the Anti-Monitor. Yeah. <laughs> Are we really stuck to that name? I... That doesn't even sound like a real thing. <laughs> That's not a thing. Uh, Anti-Monitor is a really goofy name, and I, I've had to have a long time to come to kind of appreciate it. It's still weak. Uh, I kind of liked... I kind of liked the fact that uh, even though Ryan won and got through to the monitor, that in the infinitude of the universe, there's always a Marnovu that's a fucking dick. <laughs> and it didn't matter at all. It was. It kind of made me wonder why they bothered with it, but it also fit that classic crisis trope of every time they think they're doing something, they're like, nope, you still lost. There's so much losing in crisis. But then that next fight, like, that next fight was goofy, but it somehow worked for me. This is where they were still fighting the Shadow Demons, yeah? yeah? I have one gripe about that. Ryan just swinging his fist Ryan wildly. just punching out Shadow. That's how much the Shadow Demons suck. This completely untrained, unpowered nerd, and I say nerd as a nerd, is just punching Shadow Demons out of existence. That is, like... Someone throws a like pebble at them; they're gonna die at this point. Like, <laughs> and then they uh, care bear stare the universe back into existence. Yeah, they do. They really heavily. You say care bear. I'm going with the Digijustin from Digimon. The power of heart. The power. <laughs> of, they made Captain Planet, and Captain Planet was the universe. Yeah, that's um, exactly what happened. But I also, it, I got it. It didn't it break sense. it for me. Superheroes can do that shit and have it work. This, it doesn't work as well in live action, but whatever. It they came close. <laughs> it didn't hurt. What I really liked about that, though, was then you have Ollie dying. Again. Which, Ollie's death didn't hit me as hard as I thought it would, but what I really liked about that was uh, having Sarah there as one of the focal points. Sarah there was good. Flash was good, too, but, like, they needed Sarah at least because... Again, I feel like, I really feel like if Oliver had died, Diggle would have been there. Mm -hmm. And that bothered me. Although it will be interesting to watch Arrow and watch Diggle have to deal with the fact that he wasn't there. Because that's going to break him. But Sarah was there when the boat wrecked. Sarah was there when Green Arrow was born, basically. Like, so it makes sense. And then Flash was kind of there when this universe was really born. Yeah. Because he started the crossovers, like he made uh -huh. it possible. No, it made sense that those two were there. I wish Diggle had been there. I just really like Diggle. Mm -hmm. I like saying the name Diggle. Um, named after Andy Diggle. Who wrote <laughs> Green Arrow Year One, which is a great Green Arrow story. But then the universe is back, and we still have an episode to go. Yep. And it's Legends. Yep. And might have been my favorite for the most part. Uh... You will have no emotional connection to Bebo. Nope, but I saw that everyone else did, and even without... I was still able, not knowing anything about Bebo, to recognize that it was like a kid's thing in this world and that it mattered to other people. I, it, it, they've successfully transferred that'd be like me watching like Sesame Street and seeing a giant big bird attack and being like, how dare you? They, they gave the real quick rundown in the episode... But the legends had to they Voltron, Voltron it, into yeah. Bebo, and it was amazing. I need to watch Legends. I'm just going to skip the first season, I think. Uh, 
So Lex got the Nobel Prize, and now I'm super wondering what all the effects we're going to run into across all the shows are going to be. Yeah, I noticed they didn't tell Lex about this, which is smart. I don't for a second think that Lex is actually going to be a good guy. I think that they're going to run it that way a little bit. Like, it actually looks so they can have the big reveal that he actually is evil. He Um, had that line at the end of episode four. He's like, oh, so this is what being a hero feels like. And I'm like, he might even try to run with it for a tiny bit, but in the end, he's going to Lex. Yeah, I, I don't, as I said, I don't think Lex remembers being it, but he might try being a hero. They've done it a couple of times. I don't think it has much staying power, like the, the really villainous villains being a hero in the same way that I thought Superior Spider-Man didn't have much staying power. Mm-hmm. But you can do some interesting things with it. I was kind of curious. So what do you think? We, we brought up a little bit last episode, the weird consent issues with memory wipes. What about weird memory Martian memory restorations? <laughs> I feel like it would have been way better if he had been like, hey, I'm a do a thing, but he's just going to like pops up and slaps him across the face. And suddenly they remember like, slow down, John. These are your friends. Uh, Marv. Marv? Marv. Wolfman. Yes, that was so sweet. He had the time of his life. I read... I told you about this at the store. I read him talking about doing this, and he's like super nervous. And he's like, "Oh, I can never remember lines, anyways, for anything in public speaking." So, oh my god, like I thought they were just gonna have me at a behind-the-scenes cameo, and instead, I'm like an important part of this story. And he apparently quoted his lines, practiced his lines for weeks, and didn't get it right once. And he got on set, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so worried." And they're like, "Just get the idea across, and you'll be fine." Like. Put it in your own words. And then he's like, and I recited the word lines picture perfect. It was a lot of fun. to. I, I love behind the scenes cameos like that. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, even I was, I, I got super happy seeing him just being like, oh my God, they, and look how happy he looks. I'm sure that's not hard for him to do because look what they're bringing to life. And I'm pretty sure they were like, they called it like Perez war for Perez square or something oh, like yeah. that. Uh, I know they referenced other comic creators. I, I want to say it's Perez because George oh, Perez was... Oh, yeah, it was, was Get the, Down to Perez Pier or something like that. Uh, yeah. And George Perez was the artist, and he wasn't <coughs> able to be on. But Marv Wolfman helped write this episode, too, I think? Or he wrote the, helped write the one before. Mm. He was... Because he was super touched that they're like, not only are like, we're going to remake Crisis, because he's always been proud of Crisis, but they wanted him to be involved. And that you could... If you follow him on Facebook, which I highly recommend... He is just so touched that people care about the stuff that he makes. So I guess by the... I I was trying to describe what... Or think about what actually is the driving force in this episode. There's not really one. There's a couple little things that pop up. There's Bebo, which is actually Sargon, which was... That was funny. Just random Sargon the Sorcerer. Yeah, and Sargon's a villain in this one, which I thought was a little weird, but sure. Um, (laughs) And then at the end, the Anti-Monitor comes back... But this episode is mostly about them discovering that, like, oh shit, figuring out the new world. I will say I did not like the anti monitor fight at all. Mm. I thought it was super weak. Uh, The graphics got just a little too far, just a little too fakey, and it just turned into like a Power Rangers fight the giant monster thing. And all of those people screaming for Oliver was weird to me. I get it. With some of them. Uh, again, Diggle 
Sarah Flash totally, but like some of these people barely knew who Oliver was. Yeah. And I thought, knowing that we're losing Brandon, I thought that they were setting up for him getting sucked into the microverse. I was super prepared for him to die here. I thought that they were, yeah, I was sure that that's how he was going to get written out. Uh, especially after his line, like, hey, I accidentally did it to a ton of things when I was <laughs> developing the Atom suit. God, he's a uh, dangerous scientist. The thing, this episode was just so much really good fan service for me. Just yeah. the, the clips with the legends, like, they got shanghai into a crossover, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> and this getting... is why, did they kidnap them? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, getting to see those other characters, getting to see Wild Dog uh, oh, from Arrow yeah. was nice and fun. And I think that's the other new Canary... Yep, yep, that's, yep, that's right. The... Right when I started falling off the show is when she came on. So I'm not really super up to date on everything. Uh, Dinah Drake. Good. They used an actual Black Canary name then. Uh, I think. I know that I watched a little bit with her, but it's some of the more fuzzy stuff. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but really, the heart of this one was just dealing with how everyone responded to this and the fact that. Earth One and Earth Supergirl and Black Lightning's world are now all the same Earth. And it's at first, Earth it's Prime. Earth Prime. And at first, it sounds like all of the Earths got merged into this one, but then afterwards, they show other Earths. Stargirl is Earth Two. Um, I didn't write down the numbers for the others, but we got confirmation of Swamp Thing's Earth still existing, and... as well as Green <laughs> Green Lantern. Yeah, that's universe. right. We did briefly see. I got Ryan the sense Reynolds that they weren't Green really Lantern. interested in making... They, they showed nothing to make that the Ryan Reynolds one. I think they just wanted to show Green Lantern because they have plans for him. Um, well, uh, Berlanti was a writer on that one. Oh, okay. Oh, buddy. Yep. <laughs> um, and we got to see Doom Patrol and Teen Titans. Which you were surprised to learn were in separate universes. I think but... it's a mistake. I knew that that was the case already, but... Whatever. I mean, it's... I honestly think that it's only because they didn't want to have to deal with... I think whoever's working on Titans didn't want to have to deal with... Crossovers. Having to cross over any fallout from the weird shenanigans from Doom Patrol. You know what? I will give it that. And they seem to have very different feels. Mm -hmm. I really hope Titans calms down his grim dark from season one. I need to watch season two. Uh, I loved Black Lightning... Mick mm -hmm. and Killer Frost all fighting together. That was really Black cool. Lightning. I stay ready. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, you could say he's ever ready. Hey! <laughs> um, God, that's terrible. Uh, it was nice to see all the elementals fighting. It was characters, again, that I haven't seen much of. Uh, and they are able to do more with because they're not as, like, Green Arrow and Flash. Like, they're not as set in stone. So that was enjoyable. I like that one of the weird things that came back is that Diggle now has both of his kids. Yeah, it was weird that they just erased Sarah before. Well, they didn't erase Sarah. They, so they replaced her with John Diggle Jr. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, you have two kids. It's just, we're not going to make this weird. That made me really happy when it was like, oh wait, both? You, yeah. You made the best version of the outcome of Flashpoint? Right. And... Sarah's real sad and is having way more trouble accepting this than I kind of expected. I really, really, really liked Sarah and Barry bonding a little bit more over the fallout of That this. was really nice, and I can see that they're kind of setting those two up as 
the, the elder new. statesman. Mm-hmm. I am real excited to see Sarah get more time because it'd be really easy to write her off as one of the only original creations of the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. There is no Sarah in the comics, no White Canary in the comics, or there is, but it's a Lady Shiva in disguise. So it, it was. It would have been so easy to kind of write her into the corner, and instead they're really owning this character, and it's mostly just from the strength of that actress. Oh yeah, Katie Lotz is incredible. Uh, so I, I really, that's nice to see. It was weird to me that Green Arrow's funeral was only had by those specific people. That was strange. I, although I think they're just trying not to take away from whatever they're going to do on Arrow, since there's two episodes left. I get it. But it was like, here, there's going to have to be two separate funerals. See, I was more, I was, the Hall of Justice gamer chairs underwhelmed me more. I loved that they did the table though, but yeah, you're right. Those were some Alienware chairs <laughs> uh, with some DC products that I would probably fall for. Yep. But I have always loved the round table because it really adds into the mythological feeling of the I, Justice League that no one does better. I did really like that. I was like, oh, it's round tables. Yes. And it had my favorite line of the entire crossover, which is Black Lightning being like, what, how often does the, like, are we really going to need this? How often does the world almost end? And then they all like pause and go, oh, it's oh, like it's, that. It's like that. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, that was a very clever way to nod at like the Justice League and how they're going to get to use the League now, mm-hmm. but still have their own shows. Black Lightning being part of this universe is the thing that scares me the most, just because of how realistic his has been compared to the others, and how good they've been doing that. I'm really curious how much of the, like, aliens are publicly among us that Supergirl had, how much of that is going to transfer over. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm excited that his inclusion might make some of these other shows have to look at things a little bit differently. Uh, this is really going into its phase two in a weird way of like Mm -hmm. how the Marvel ones did. I mean, they've done lots of crossovers before, but like this is, this is a big reset. This is their chance to reinvent all the problems their shows were having. Um, I'll be curious to see how Flash does if they're still doing as much time travel and world jumping as they were before. Hopefully Um, not because it got a little overwhelming. I'm wondering what the next big thing is going to be because the whole thing about flash has been leading up to crisis yeah and now we're past crisis this is a chance for flash to reinvent itself and it can either fix the problems that it's been having for years and it's not a bad show it just has been weaker than its first season consistently Um, or it's going to go right off the rails if they don't know what to do i'm hoping the flash lasts longer because i enjoy grant gustin as the flash um I know Supergirl, I haven't seen the latest, I don't know if Supergirl was back this week or if they're waiting till next week, but I know they're using it to reset some things because I've already seen photos of a green brainy rather than the weird metallic light blue. Okay. And the Lex is now her boss and may or may not be a villain anymore is a really good, that's a good hook that they can play with. That, that has some meat to its bones. And apparently the legends look like they're going to be going after Gleek and the Wonder Twins. I don't, I don't, is that, I, I mean, I know they introduced Gleek, but I kind of wonder if they're actually going to do something with that, or if that's just going to be like our own little fun mention. I feel like Wonder Twins would fit in really well with I the am. things that the legends do all the time. I so. agree. Um, <laughs> so I think we're going to be getting... Who are the legends at this point? I know it's 
Adam White Canary Fire Heat Wave. Um, is this still Citizen Const- Steel? Citizen Steel. Uh, sometimes Constantine. Sometimes Constantine. Uh, they haven't yet to ever call her by any name. I can't think of Zari, uh, which is uh, Isis. Yeah, they're never <laughs> calling her that. Isis was Black Adam's girlfriend, basically, uh, who was a reincarnation of the goddess Isis, basically, or had similar Captain Marvel-y stuff, but became Isis. And thanks to Daesh, we will not be getting that much yeah, anymore. Yeah, uh, they mostly just give her, like, the wind powers, and it's mostly through channeling a totem, and the totems were really important a season ago. Is so. Vixen still on? Vixen kind of still pops up now and then, but she's not... Her actress is still there. Okay. The now, I, I gotta watch the show, but that's... They've... Uh, a shape shifter that has been locked into a single form and is now on the team. God, this show goes so many places. Cool. God, we went through a lot of crisis. Yeah, that was a lot of crisis. I think I've kind of already said all the things I really love. Do you have any last thoughts on how this went down, especially as someone who hasn't been, or any questions? I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I think is really where I'm at. It has its weaknesses, but it did the CW shows without going too deep into the CW angst. And I really, what the CW shows do well, they do really well, and what they do badly really annoys me. So to have more of the good than the bad was really refreshing. It made me, as I said, want to watch these shows again, which I have not had in a couple of years. And I'm really excited for Lois and Clark, and I'm really excited for Stargirl. And this gives us a wonderful new palette to go from. So, fuck yeah. I guess that's kind of... Um, I do kind of hope they don't try to immediately go into a giant crossover next year, just because it's, you're not going to top this at least right away without a lot of setup, but I would like to see a lot of little crossovers. I would still like a full crossover and it doesn't have to be across every show, but I want to see the league. Okay. That's fair. Especially since they set it up. They set it up and I love the league when the heroes come together to fight stuff that no one else can. It's good. And these people had a really good camaraderie. Like, honestly... Let's go League versus the, Brainiac. That'll if the show... Ooh, that'd be fun. If this show got too expensive, I'd be like, just break it down to one show and do a League mm-hmm. show. I would... I'd be super okay with that. But I also... I kind of just want to see... Sometime soon. You're you're right. They set but up the League. I would like it. to see the League. All of these people have so much shit to do and to figure out about this new world that it's... Mm-hmm. Way more important to spend your time on that. Uh, so beyond Crisis, do you have any recommendations? Oh boy, I had one when I came in here. Do I still have it now? Uh, hit me first while I remember. Uh, so for my recommendation... That's cheating. <laughs> I've got one. Okay. Uh, I, your recommendation. My recommendation. <laughs> We're just going to jump back and forth because... Neither of us was prepared for this. Um, I'm going to go with Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Oh, okay. The, it came out in the right around the same time as Star Wars, because Mark Hamill was in both. And it was originally going to be called Star Wizards. And like the trade George Lucas made to let Mark Hamill be in this is to change it to just Wizards. So the Star Wars and Wizards wouldn't be like too close to competing. It is a 
post-apocalyptic fairy tale examination of World War II. Okay. That sounds, have oh. you ever seen this? Like, No. It starts with the apocalypse happens, a bunch of bombs go off, most of humanity dies, those that don't are mutated into monsters. And then fairy and elves come back. And, like, there's these two wizards that are immortal brothers. This is, it's such an over-the-top story. And one of them is good and one of them is evil. And the evil one escapes and finds a bunch of old, like, recordings of Hitler and recreates the German Wehrmacht, basically. Okay. <laughs> and they have to form this small party to, like, go Fellowship of the Ring style, stop Black Wolf is his name instead of Sauron. Okay. And... It is insane and it's ridiculous. I'm and it's, gonna look at the end of this. Ralph Bakshi did like Fritz the Cat and I think the first Hobbit movie mm-hmm. and one of the Spider-Man shows. Like he's a great weird person. Animator. <laughs> and he did this uh, the style of animation for a lot of the background where it would be he'd actually record like people on horseback and then just like draw over mm-hmm. it. It's a very specific kind of animation. It's unlike almost any other kind of animation I can think of seeing. Awesome. I don't know if it's actually good because I grew up watching it, but I love it. I can give it that. Midway through, I thought of something. Of course. By the end of it. I'm sorry. I got excited there. It's okay. Um, Oh, ah, I feel like this is a little bit of a cop-out considering what we just got done talking about this episode. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow is starting back up. I highly recommend it. It fits. We've been talking about Legends. Watch Legends. Whenever Whenever those seasons come on for the past four seasons what season are they going into since season one anyway season one is meh uh but season two on every week that it comes on is an extra reason for me to smile during the week you know what they have so much fun they do take what you can get you heard me say earlier that they voltron into a giant (laughs) cuddly plush toy yeah kind of looks like a furby with legs (laughs) like yeah it's a teddy it's a blue and purple spotted teddy bear named bebo that's kind of a furby yeah and they kung fu a time demon to death with that god i love comic books so much and it all makes sense by the time you get there and they balance a giant cast in a wonderful way that most shows can't do and have just so much fun with the medium that they're playing in with very very few missteps so perfect yeah that's i think all we got today uh if you enjoy us or just listening to me say ah a lot like i'm doing today (laughs) you can like and subscribe and please like and subscribe leave us reviews i still say the first hate mail we get i'm gonna read on the air oh man leave us a hate don't leave i don't Don't leave us a hate mail (laughs) but Uh, on some bizarre level my brain's like you'll have made it when you've got some hate mail that's true um yeah so please go check that out you can go generalnerdcast.com go check out all of our back episodes all that fun stuff uh up at the top you can follow the links because we are part of the earworm podcast network uh go listen to me over on fried squirms you can go listen to zach over on the art of wargaming uh although it's not up on the website yet but we're working on it it is being transferred it will probably be by next week because i have everything set up really well so it shouldn't be hard to set up perfect uh yeah if you you should follow all of us you should follow us on social media we're on facebook we're on twitter kind of we're on instagram in theory we're working on that uh either way you'll probably hear this in the future anyway we're probably there by now yeah maybe you find us on instagram 
we appreciate you. Contact us through the website. You can hit us up, uh, generalnerdrypodcast at gmail.com. That's all I have. All I'm right. Tyler. I'm Zach. Dismissed. Dismissed.